Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. The first two weeks of the season, and we've already had so much drama. Another Spurs corner. Plenty of air underneath it. Oh. Tutu right at the end of the game. Harry Kane takes the applause and the plaudits. An angry handshake, which speaks volumes about the way the game has been played. Antonio Conte and Thomas Tuchel squaring up again. What a pass. It's in towards Mbomo. Ball into the middle, the Nunez ball isn't on now, so they're taking the low road. Oh, and that's the way to do it. Lewis Dijak comes up with an absolute pearler. Just some of the highlights from the second week of the Premier League season as heard uh, through the World Feed broadcasts. Rob Tanner is from The Athletic UK. He covers the Premier League for The Athletic and is with us here on SEN this Tuesday night. Rob, uh, good morning to you over there in England. How's things? Uh, yeah, good, mate. The uh, the season started and it's uh, started off, uh, hopefully, setting a tone for the rest of the campaign. It's going to be a lot of drama. Absolutely. It's been fantastic drama already. Uh, we're, we're all bleary-eyed on a, on a Saturday, Sunday, Monday morning over here watching it, but it was it was well worth staying up in the middle of the night to watch Chelsea and Tottenham uh, a few days ago because that was a great contest, but also had all of the uh, all of the trimmings on the outside to be a great spectacle overall. A two-all draw with a late equaliser from Harry Kane, but it was what happened immediately on the full-time whistle between Antonio Conte from Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel. Uh, pardon me, Antonio Conte from Tottenham, old habits die hard, and Thomas Tuchel from Chelsea with their bust-up. Um, it was pretty testy all game, but what what was the moment that set those two managers off? Well, I just think they're, they're two fiery characters. I mean, there's history between those two clubs. The Battle of the Bridge, the famous one from the 15-16 season, uh, when Chelsea denied Tottenham the opportunity to close on Leicester City for the title. I mean, and, and that has still carried on to this day, those two clubs. They're bitter rivals in London. Uh, and it just boiled over. I mean, they're two very passionate managers. They're very animated in the technical area, especially Conte. He's almost like a cartoon character sometimes, about the way he's bouncing around. And I think it was just the way they were celebrating goals as they was going in, rubbing it in, in each other's faces. And, and that, that just spilled over, boiled over at the end. I know Tuchel tried to play it all down afterwards, but I think the FA will obviously they're investigating and uh, they'll be charged for that. They've already got um, a game ban as well for the red card from the referee. So... But I think what spilled over after that was into the press conferences where Tuchel was then criticising the referee and even accusing him of historically having a bias against Chelsea. And that will bring a further FA charge. So uh, he's in deep water with Tuchel. But his side looked very good. Yeah, they they were. Should they have won that game? Because watching that, they dominated oh, yeah. They dominated the, the match, the uh, possession, just the attacking chances as well. 
Um, yeah, how how disappointing would it be for him that his side ended up ended up losing that or didn't lose, but they they conceded the win. Well, it would have been very frustrating, especially in the manner as well. There was a lot of there was controversial decisions made by the referee that um, that ultimately cost Chelsea. They didn't close out the three points; they only got a point. But I think he'd still be heartened by the way his side performed. And with two weeks to go of the transfer window, Chelsea are still looking to do big business as well. So they they could be even stronger the time of going to September. Would they be looking for a striker to bring in? Because they brought in Raheem Sterling, who is um, has been one of their, their main signings for the season, but hasn't often been the central man in a front three. He normally plays off a, a bigger striker. Are Chelsea lacking a powerful striker in this team? Yeah, they are in the market for a striker and a centre-back. I mean, they're sniffing around um, Leicester City's Wesley Fofana. Um, and, and Leicester City's Jamie Vardy is also on the radar of Chelsea and Man United as well because they need a striker. Even though he's 35, they still think he can come in and do a job for them short term, although he's in negotiations over a new contract at Leicester as well. So it'll be interesting what happens in the final couple of weeks. What about your analysis from Tottenham from, from that game there? So they, they came back twice from a goal down and rescued a point at the very end, um, but they were pinned up in their own half for most of that game from Chelsea's uh, their high and wide strategy and getting up the pitch. At Tottenham, are they are they a bit sort of all all attack, no defence at the moment? Spurs. Well, yes, yes and no. But I'm not surprised they came back into that game because the the preseason has been very intense for them. Um, you took them away to to, to Korea and um, some of the work they were doing out there. You, you know, we, we we saw scenes of Harry Kane being sick on the side of the pitch after a training session because it was that intense. But strong running and fitness is absolutely key to how Conte wants his side to play. So they will be strong at the end of the game. But I still think there's some organisational aspects of their game that, that, that need uh, addressing. I mean, they come up against a strong Chelsea side. But any side, though, that's got Son and Kane in will have uh, a bit of firepower at the other end. And, and if, it's, uh, if it's a case of um, you know, scoring more than you concede because defensively you're not as strong as you might want to be, then so be it. It'd be entertaining to watch those. Manchester United find themselves on the bottom of the Premier League table after two games. They lost to Brighton in the first week and then a 4-0 loss to Brentford uh, on the weekend just gone with all of Brentford's goals coming in the first 35 minutes of the game, which was remarkable. How have Manchester United, with the new manager, Eric Ten Hag, how have they found themselves in this position so quickly? Well, this isn't just about the first two games of the season. This has been going on for a number of years now and the Man United fans have I've had enough. Um, the Sports Trust want answers from the Glaziers, even though the Glaziers have spent over a billion pounds in, on in investment in the playing staff. There just doesn't seem to be any organisational structure at the club. There doesn't seem to be any blueprint, any strategy for recruitment. Um, you know how the club should be run. There's no philosophy. There's no guidance. It, it is a rudderless ship at the moment, Man United. And although it's only two games in, and it's very, very early to talk about crises and. And, and, and that sort of um, language it, it is still very, very worrying for the United fans that they can see evidence that the rot has started. And uh, how do you stop the rot? It's, they think that by changing the ownership would be to, trying to force a change of ownership. But the Glazers won't sell the club. So, you know, they, they're going to have to be patient. I can imagine there'll be a few more... Um, protest at Old Trafford and we've seen a number of those over the last few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric Ten Hag's comments recently I thought was a bit puzzling because he was calling for uh, more signings than needed at the club and, and you look at that squad that they have and uh, it might not be the best in the Premier League but when you've got 
Cristiano Ronaldo who's there and who knows what his immediate future is like but then even just the other players in the oh. squad it's not it's not a dour squad by any means it's a it's a good team that that should be doing well so yeah it, they've they've tried multiple different avenues haven't they Rob but but is it it might not after all that be within the actual sporting department of the club well, I think that, that when I talk about strategy I mean, as I said they've spent over a billion pounds on on signings but some of those signings, you look at it and you think, well, why have they got him in? Or why have they paid? I mean, £80 million pounds they, they paid for Harry Maguire. Now, he's a good defender, I think, and he's done a decent job at, at, um, at, for England. But at that top, top level, should, is he eight, worth £80 million? Pounds? So that's, I think that's what um, the United fans are questioning. They're not questioning the investment from the Glazers in terms of um, putting the money into the club, even though they're saddling the club with a huge debt on the back of that. Um, I think what the question is, is the, what's the strategy? What's the philosophy? Who, who is making these decisions? So there's a lot to unravel and, and unpick at, uh, at Man United. And then how do you wrap that up into Cristiano Ronaldo, who's been unsettled there for the, the duration of the off-season? He's, uh, his name's been thrown around as being uh, one of the, the players who might be offloaded, or he's wanted to go to, to Chelsea, as an example, who have been in the market for him. Um, what is the, the latest with Cristiano Ronaldo? What's his future look like and, and what would be best for Manchester United? Well, initially, well, it's, it's quite clear that he wants to leave um, Old Trafford. Uh, United initially wanted to keep him, but we understand the last 48 hours, they've basically decided, yeah, he's probably best if he moves on. He might be a little bit of a disruption as well behind the scenes if he's unhappy. So if they can just try and move him on, if, if there's a taker that's willing to pay the money for him in terms of his wages, then uh, that might be the best solution for United so they can move on again, but then they've got to replace him and there's only two weeks left of the window, so it's not going to be easy. Are they still looking for Frankie de Jong from Barcelona or have they pulled out from that race? Well, it looks like he might be going elsewhere. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think they they, they hoped that he would be coming, uh, but uh, it doesn't look like it at the moment. It's been pretty smooth for Manchester City and Arsenal, who both sit uh, equal first on the table, separated by goal difference. Man City and Arsenal, the only two sides to have won both their opening games of the new season. For Arsenal, it's been a promising start. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, the new signing, got a double on the weekend. And uh, and some of that young brigade who came through and, and really broke through last season have impressed early on. What can Arsenal fans expect this season from the Gunners? Should they have high expectations or should it be somewhat modest but still expecting better than, than the previous couple of years? No, I think they will be yeah full of hope for this season. I was at the game on at the weekend at the Emirates Stadium and I was very impressed with Arsenal. Um, they're rejuvenated. Um, they've spent a lot of money bringing in some good signings like Gabriel Jesus, and he obviously he looks excellent against Leicester. And the way I, I mean, what I was impressed with him is he's only a small fella, but the way he rolled defenders, he was physically strong, and he was a focal point for their attack. And Arteta's got them uh, really going in the right direction now, and it's been a tricky time for him initially at Arsenal, but he's got the fans on board again. There was a good atmosphere in the stadium, and even when Saliba scored an own goal, that the Rus home crowd and usually when you go to Arsenal and they have a setback you can feel the disappointment in the crowd and that can affect the players but it was different it was a positive charge after that from the supporters and they got behind Saliba they got behind the team and they went on they should have won even more comfortably than they did so I think Arsenal are the real deal whether they are ready now to challenge for the top two three really push Manchester City and Liverpool uh, we'll see you know, time will tell uh, whether they've got the strength in depth when the injuries start to come and the World Cup comes along a lot of players 
you know, coming back from that fatigued, whether they've got that strength in depth. But it's looking good for them. Yeah, that might be the one thing with Arsenal is they are still a young squad and aren't maybe conditioned as a team and as a group of young players to to deal with uh, with Europe, which I'll have this season in the in the Europa League. And um, and yeah, is is the depth there at Arsenal to go through a full season where they want to be competing now for for deep runs in in cups and tournaments and make a run for the top four and playing in Europe? Do they have that depth, Arsenal? Uh, yeah, um, this, this is always the big the big question mark. If you look at Man City's squad, it's so much strength in depth. You take two or three players out, and you've got two or three more coming in with great quality. And you can rotate, you can bring and switch uh, a Foden for a Grealish. And, you know, and you've, that, that strength and depth is there. Liverpool, by contract, if you look at their performance last night, I thought, you know, they're missing a number of players already because they've got a number of injuries. They could have done without the lad getting sent off now because he's got um, a three-game ban as well, so he'll be missing. So, yeah, you're looking at their squad and you're thinking, oh, perhaps they should do a little bit more business before the end of the, the transfer window just to make sure they've got that strength and depth. Because there will be some times in this compressed season because of the World Cup where you're getting games back-to-back and you know it's hard for the players to keep playing at the intensity some of these sides play at. And Nottingham Forest had a 1-0 win on the weekend against West Ham, which was significant for them. Back in the top flight for the first time in 23 years, had their first home game this season, first goal scored this season. How significant is that for such a historic club like Nottingham Forest? It's always great to get off to a good start and get that that first win uh, and, and get on the board, really. I mean, there's obviously any side that comes up into the Premier League, it's going to be tough. Um, you might get that initial bounce. Um, it's all new. You're unknown quantity to the to the opposition. Uh, the fans are, and everybody are feeling very positive. They're really up for it. After waiting so long, you've got to feed off that at the start of the season and ride that wave a little bit. And I think Forrest did that. You know, it was a great atmosphere to sit the ground. Um, and... Uh, They've brought in so many players. The big question mark for me is, I think it's 15 or 16 new signings. Mm. You know, they've totally changed the side that got promotion. It's a big gamble because it takes time sometimes for these players to gel uh, and, and to get to know each other and, and to get to know the, the manager's system and how he wants them to perform. But they've got an excellent uh, manager in Cooper and I, I think they'll, that they'll, they will push uh, to stay in that division. It'll be tough for them as it is for all the sides coming up. But um, no, they've got a chance if they can keep that spirit. Rob, before I let you go, where do you think the differences will lie this season? If there's uh, a couple of teams to keep an eye on, teams who might make a push into the top 10 or maybe for one of those uh, those lower-placed European spots and teams who might be on the slide this season, where are the, the points of difference for you this season in the Prem? Well, I think what, what sort of business Chelsea do over the last couple of weeks could dictate whether they can push for the title this season. I mean, this is a side that's been growing. Uh, for a year or so. They've gone through a lot of trauma with the ownership change and everything that went on around that. Um, but no, if they can get a centre forward in, I mean, look at Man City with Haaland. I mean, they've been playing without a number nine for, for a number of seasons. And you can tell because now they've got a proper number nine and he's one of the best in the world. Mm. And they don't know how to play with a number nine anymore. So they're having to adapt as well and, and understand that, you know, you've got a centre forward who will be in the right position, whereas before they always played with a false nine and rotated in those, those roles. If they click with Haaland, Man City could be unstoppable. Rob, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll have to have a chat to you again throughout the course of the season. 
Thank you very much. Rob Tanner from The Athletic UK, based uh, himself in Leicester. And uh, you can go and check out some of his work at The Athletic and also his work having covered uh, Leicester's uh, remarkable title uh, back in 2015-16. Rob Tanner from The Athletic UK here on the Sporting Capital this uh, Tuesday night on SEN. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side of this and we'll get to um, hear from a couple of the players who announced their retirements earlier today, Robbie Gray and Shane Edwards. That's next here on SEN. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.